Howdy, howdy from here in Austin, Texas. I'm Reed and this is In The Huddle. I want to welcome you guys to episode 5 and give you guys a quick thanks for tuning in. So let's go ahead and get straight into my very deep analysis of the weekend, given to you in a couple of words. And for this weekend, I have to say it's college football is crazy. Now last week I said the Big 12 was crazy, but now I'm taking a step back. I'm correcting myself and saying it's all crazy. And I'm loving it, guys. And I'm absolutely loving it, as I've said every single week. Y'all definitely see why it's getting crazy as we go into this week's recap. But guys, I have to give you guys some bad news. Actually, some bad and good news, but I'll give the bad first. All right. Like the last two weeks, my Saturdays have been taken up by activities. And unfortunately, folks, it has happened once again. First, I had baseball for half the day, then volunteered for the rest of the day. Did not watch much college football. Again, played a catch-up game on Sunday. And again, it's like the third week in the row, guys. I'm just disappointed I didn't see these games live. It's every single weekend. It is so, so exciting. There's there's storm, There's storm. fields being stormed every weekend. I'm loving it, guys. But the good news, I have good news, all right? Next weekend, ladies and gentlemen, I will finally be free. May the college football gods make Saturday an exciting day for all. But especially for me, since I've missed some good ones these past couple weeks, all right? I deserve a good Saturday, all right? So let's go ahead and get into the uh, week seven recap. First, I got to touch on Alabama versus Tennessee. Tennessee wins 52-49 to with a game-winning field goal in final seconds. Guys, I know this is the game you're tuning in for. All right, this is the big game of the week. I'm going to talk about what I thought before I went into this game and how I think about these teams after, you know, obviously going in depth of what, what I saw during that game. So, obviously, I didn't quite. Ca- I, I kind of caught the end of this game, so I was able to see the last couple minutes, which was good because honestly, the last couple of minutes told the tale of a lot of the game, guys. All right, now this is another gl- great classic example of a great college football shootout with two great teams, and this was kind of a big team for both teams, you know, in, in a rivalry sense. You know, this used to be a big rivalry before I was even born. This was a huge rivalry, but let's be honest, in a sense of playoffs or SEC championship. This doesn't really matter much since they are on the opposite sides of the conference. So this isn't like a disastrous game for anyone, all right? So if you didn't know, this is Tennessee's first time beating Bama since 2006. This matchup, as I already said, this was a big rivalry before I was even born. This was a long time ago. But this was one of the most intense rivalries of college football history, all right? And this weekend, we saw a glimpse of why that was, all right? Now, before this game had even started, in fact, honestly, when I saw this game on my schedule a week ago, this was kind of my thought process, okay? When Bama had Bryce Young, they are better than Tennessee, okay? When Bama has Bryce Young, they are better than Tennessee. That's what I thought going into that game. But in the back of my mind, I sensed a possible upset coming because simply Tennessee can score and their offense is so effective. And when I say they can score, they can score fast, Okay, the next second you will be looking down at your phone. The next second you see a touchdown on the scoreboard because they just throw a 60 yard pass. That's regular for Tennessee. Okay, and that is why I saw that possible upset coming. Now, without Bryce Young on the field, I questioned if Alabama wouldn't just get run over. Okay, Jalen Miro, he wasn't very productive throwing, and Tennessee, I think, has like the seventh best rush defense in the country. So, you go ahead and do the math in your head how that would work out for Alabama. If they can't throw the ball and they get held on rushing, what are they going to do? Hmm, probably nothing. But again, it didn't happen, so I can't make I can't make predictions off of something that did not happen. But as I said, doesn't matter. Bryce Young played and they still lost. Now, now it brings up the question, why did they fall short? 
Did Alabama just mistake, make mistakes or is Tennessee just the better team? And I have a pretty darn simple answer for y'all. And it's Tennessee is the better team or they were on Saturday at least. All right. Now, before I get into this game statistically wise, I want to talk about Bryce Young and why he is so, so good. Okay. And this was a big thing I wanted to talk about because with the quarterback situation at A&M right now, it's made me think about a lot. What makes a good quarterback? Okay. It's not just being able to make the big throws, make the big runs, make the big decisions. It's how you lead your team on the field. And leadership is so important in the quarterback position because quarterback position is the most important quarter is the most important position on the field. Okay. Now, obviously, you know, Bryce, Bryce Young puts up numbers week to week. Okay. And like I just said, that's, that's what makes a great quarterback, you know, but not all the way. It's not, it makes a great quarterback, but not an extremely great quarterback. All right. So he puts up those numbers weeks to week, but why he stands out to me is his leadership and how calm he stays in high pressure situations. Okay. Now I want to bring up a moment in this Tennessee game. It was Alabama's last drive down the field. They're about on the 50 yard line and they're trying to get into a uh, field goal territory. And one of Bryce Young's wide receivers, he got a false start. What did Bryce Young do? He looked over to the receiver and goes, Hey man, you're all good. He gathered everybody around and goes, let's go guys with a calm, with a calm attitude. He goes, let's go guys. Let's regroup. All right. And let's move down the field. Let's win this game. He didn't take the time to get mad. Listen, when you have a hundred something thousand Tennessee fans surrounding you with, with, with their orange, their yelling, everything in that environment, the last thing you have time for is to be mad at each other, especially in that high pressure situation. How he handled that and how he handles that week to week when he does that is what makes him such a good quarterback. And that's what's going to make him a good draft pick coming up in this draft because NFL teams don't just look for talent on the field. They look for talent off the field, leadership-wise, okay? And Bryce Young has those qualities. Bryce Young, I see something special in him, guys, and I'm calling this now, okay? I see something very, very special in him, and I think he really has a big, big career ahead of him, okay? And I want to keep up with that for a long time. So, let's go ahead and talk about the game now that we got that aside. Neyland Stadium was so loud. I mean, so loud Saturday evening. I think this was one of the most impressive crowds I've heard this year, at least so far. And honestly, in history, it's one of the loudest and most ecstatic crowds I've ever seen. Now, this obviously, you know, brought up some trouble for Bama. Communicating plays is always trouble on the road. But the biggest thing that this crowd really hurt with Bama-wise is their penalties, okay? Alabama had, think, I think, 17 penalties. And guys, 17 is a lot. And penalties are kind of becoming a trend for Alabama every weekend. They really got to figure it out, especially on the road. Their road penalties, they're kind of getting out of hand, all right? So now, let's go over a few stats of the game to give you kind of, guys, a little bit of an outline. 32 first downs for Alabama, 29 for Tennessee, 569 total yards for Alabama, 567 for Tennessee, 455 passing yards for Alabama, 387 passing yards for Tennessee, 114 rushing yards for Alabama, and 182 rushing yards for Tennessee. Guys, I'll be honest, those stats kind of tell the tale of the game, okay? I mean, that pretty accurately, just by seeing those stats, you could probably estimate the score of this game, all right? It was a close game with close offensive stats. Both offenses came out to play, okay? And it was just an impressive game to watch. Now, 
was if this game was played in Tuscaloosa, would would have this would this have been a different outcome? Again, I can't make a prediction because it did not happen, but I will say I really did think the kneeling crowd and the noise did impact Alabama in some sense, and I think there could have been a different outcome if you take that crowd out of the equation. Now, the last point I want to go over is the talent on these rosters, guys. As expected, Alabama, you know, they have a lot more technical talent on their roster than Tennessee does. And although the disadvantage Tennessee, you know, has talent-wise, they still came out on top, all right? And now why this is, is because talent doesn't define a team. Talent doesn't mean anything if that glue holding it together isn't sticking. And right now, whatever that glue is for Tennessee is working, man. They have some gorilla glue over there at that school because that stuff is sticking and they are flowing, guys. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the next game. I want to bring up a lot of you would have watched this game. If you're a, if you're a Texas fan or really a fan of anyone in the Big 12, you had this game on your TV. TCU versus Oklahoma State. TCU wins 43-40. to now, this was, again, one of those games I told you to tune into. And right now, I am two for two as of right now because just as I said for the Alabama versus Tennessee game, this was a great game, guys. Going to this game, I knew it would be a close one, but I was no doubt leaning kind of towards TCU winning, okay? Now, TCU, I want to put into perspective how special this team is because I can't remember a time that TCU was really this dominant. Now, I don't think they've had a top recruiting class in years to years to years. And even without that talent, as I was just talking about, they are working and working well. Now, I think the last time TCU was like truly competitive was probably like 2017. I'm pretty sure they were 6-0 and to start off the season, actually, in 2017. I think they had a good year. And those are the last time I can remember I really saw TCU similar to, you know, what they're doing now. Now, here's a hot take. Guys, all right. I don't think TCU is a necess- is necessarily a playoff team this year. Just looking at the top four right now, I don't see TCU taking the place of those. But what I do want to say is whatever they're doing now is working, and I think it's still an impressive team. Okay. Now I was just talking about that glue. Okay, and I keep repeating myself, but a lot of this is is parallel to each of these games, and I want to talk about the t- the glue that TCU has right now. Now whether it's the quarterback Max Duggan or something different, it is clicking big time for this team. And I think it's going to continue to take them far this year, and I'm excited to see where they go. Now, this game, I think, makes TCU 6-0, and they're no doubt, you know, obviously now a force to be reckoned with. Uh, now, the rest of the year, I think on the schedule-wise, I think they have Baylor and Texas back-to-back in a couple weeks coming up. And the Texas game is at Texas, so that could definitely be some trouble for them. But Texas didn't look too great at Iowa State this year. I mean, at at home versus Iowa State uh, this this past week. So we'll see we'll see what goes on. Now, Max Duggan continues to play great, but I'll be honest, both quarterbacks came to play. Spencer Sanders played a decent game as well. You know, now Spencer Sanders didn't look as good as he has been. I think he had one of his lowest completion rates as he really has this year, but still a solid day nonetheless. And I want to go ahead and get into the matchups coming up for Oklahoma State and TCU because that's another thing that is exciting me, especially for this weekend. Now, Oklahoma State takes on Texas in Stillwater this weekend. If you didn't hear that, I'm sniffing. I smell something, and I smell trouble 
for the Horns coming up this weekend. I'm going to take Oklahoma State winning this game. I think Horns are going to have some trouble on the road. I'm excited to watch that game. All right, now TCU takes on Kansas State at TCU, and I see TCU coming out on top, maybe even by a lot, but again, we'll see You know what happens when we get to it. Now, let's go ahead and get into uh, our next game we're going to cover this week. And that's going to be Michigan versus Penn State. Michigan wins 41-17. to Now, guys, there's pretty much one reason I want to talk about this game, and I'm going to give you some background on this. Last week, I listened to my friend's Austin, my friend Austin do his college football podcast called College Football Roundup. I highly encourage you all to check it out. It's a great, it was a great episode. But continuing with my story, Austin claimed Penn State was going to win this game. And after watching them against Northwestern, I simply called him crazy. All right. And in light of what he said, I predicted a Michigan blowout win over Penn State. And, you know, take a, take a look at this score, guys. 41 to 17. And guess who was right? All right. That, this win alone kind of made my weekend, guys. I wasn't able to watch the games, but at least this game happened and this score happened, made my weekend. Now, before I really say anything, I want to read these stats out to you guys. And I want y'all just to reflect on what I'm about to read, okay? So, Penn State, 10 first downs. Michigan, 28. Penn State, 268 total yards. 568 Michigan. 157 total passing yards for Penn State. Michigan had 145 total passing yards. 111 rushing yards for Penn State. 418 rushing yards for Michigan. Guys, 418 sit on that. Those stats right there, I mean, like I said earlier, they kind of tell you, you know, almost everything you need to know about this game. And it pretty much lays it out on the table and it pretty much just tells the story of this game. All right. They pretty much, Michigan pretty much doubled every single stat that I read out that Penn State reached there. And I want to point this out too, because this is something I saw after the game and someone's, someone, it was some, uh, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think now. I'm not sure. I saw it in some press conference, but Penn State, I think, recorded only one first down the whole first half. And uh, no, I am not making that up, guys. One first down the whole first half. I couldn't even believe it myself until I really actually looked back on the highlights and was pretty much amazed. Now, you ask, why was Michigan so successful in this game offensively? Simple answer is they can run the darn football, man. And it is fun to watch. And on the flip side of things, uh, Penn State just could not run the ball against Michigan at all. And they just couldn't get it moving down the field. Now, not only the run, but the QB position for Michigan this year, I think is making a dramatic difference for the offense. J.J. McCarthy is fantastic. I think he has one of, if not the best, highest uh, completion rating in college football right now, if I'm not mistaken. And the whole Michigan offense just operates around him so well. They're so productive and so efficient with him in the quarterback position. And Michigan is no doubt a contender for this year in my mind. All right. Now, what does this game mean for Penn State? Honestly, I don't want to be too quick to judge because Penn State has had a pretty decent year so far. But I think Penn State is going to really have some trouble if they can't stop the run like they did against Michigan. And I think that sadly Penn State might need to they might need to take a little check at their team and figure out some flaws because some things aren't working. And I think things might start to go downhill for them. All right. Now Utah versus USC is the last game I want to cover here for my recap. Utah wins in a last minute comeback 43 to 42. And this will be kind of a short one. All right. I'll be completely honest. 
Going into this game, I thought Utah was very overrated. And I saw USC winning by at least a touchdown if their offense was able to hold Utah. And I was proved wrong. And I'm not bad. I'm not mad about it at all. Utah is a great team. And I have a feeling USC did not expect to lose like that. Now, once again, it's a classic high-scoring game that I love to see, I love to watch, and I want it week to week. Alright? This game was very exciting. Now, here are some stats for you. To kind of round up, you know, you'll be able to gather what you need from this right here. All right, 28 first downs for USC, for Utah, 31. 556 total yards for USC, 562 for Utah. 381 for USC for passing yards, 424 passing yards for Utah. 175 rushing yards for USC, 138 rushing yards for Utah. Guys, close stats. Both offenses came out to play, and you can see that in the score right there. Utah just made a last-minute comeback. They look strong, and honestly, even though it came down to the wire, I think in this case, on Saturday at least, Utah was the better team. It's as simple as that. All right, that kind of wraps up my recap for this week, guys. Getting into the other scores of the weekend, I did not cover. Clemson versus Florida State. Clemson wins 34-28, to as expected by me. Auburn versus Ole Miss. Ole Miss wins a little more narrowly than expected, 48 to 34, but they got the job done. NC State versus Syracuse. Syracuse wins 24 to 9. A little bit of an upset. Kentucky versus Mississippi State. Kentucky wins 27 to 17. Not exactly how I thought that game would go. Kansas versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma wins 52 to 42, and boy did that offense come alive, man. Oklahoma is looking good right now. At least their offense is. Now some games. To turn on this weekend, guys. We got another week, good weekend coming up. All right. Kansas State versus TCU. Syracuse versus Clemson. Ole Miss versus LSU. UCLA versus Oregon. Texas versus Oklahoma. Mississippi State versus Alabama. Those are going to be some great games. And I need you to all turn those on this Saturday. All righty, guys. I think that will be about it for me today. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Reed. This is In the Huddle. And I'll see you all right here next week.